Our sponsor today is Green Ronin Publishing. Green Ronin is a Seattle-based company dedicated to the art of great role-playing games. Since the year 2000, Green Ronin has established a reputation for quality and innovation that is second to none. If you're looking for exciting fantasy, look no further than Fantasy Age, where your heroic stunting can create the difference between a cinematic battle and a mundane encounter. Have a need to strap on a cape and fight the forces of evil? They do mutants and masterminds. Also available, the Expanse role-playing game based upon the hit book series. Green Ronin Publishing creates role-playing games, card games, and fiction for the very best in role-playing games and to forge your own path. Choose Green Ronin Publishing and become your own master. Find them at greenronin.com on all social media at Green Ronin Pub and wherever role-playing games are sold. And now, be sure to log in to GreenRoninStore.com. Using our affiliation code of GKHERO, you can save 5% off your total purchase of over 100 fantastic items, including role-playing games, card games, fiction, and much, much more. At GreenRoninStore.com. Use our affiliation code GKHERO to start your journey today. Brought to you by the power of the internet and fueled by imagination, this is Game Night Heroes. We toss dice and tell stories. The deeds of heroes await, and legends dare to be heard. This is Game Night Heroes. Hello, and welcome back to Game Night Heroes. We are the Game Night Heroes, and you can be too. For those of you who might not know, we are a group of five friends playing tabletop role-playing games. We're going to be telling a collaborative story, and the outcome of that story will be determined by our dice rolling. So, before we dive back into our adventures in Freeport, I'd like to introduce my fellow players. If we could go around the tables, let's do this thing right. Hey everybody, I'm Rob. I'll be playing Victor. I'm Colleen. I'm playing Iridanza. I'm Aaron, and I'll be playing Arden. And I'm Brittany, and I'll be playing Nisha. Fantastic. And I'm Kevin. I play as the dungeon master for the game. That means that I get to play as everyone and everything else. So, let us begin and take our steps back into Freeport, the city of adventure. Previously on Game Night Heroes. Our four heroes have once again found themselves thrust into the mystery of Freeport as they have been personally tasked by Thuron, High Priest of the Temple of Knowledge, to investigate a strange theft from the House of Lucius, the librarian previously rescued by our heroes. To do so, they have decided to strike out into the Old City, where Victor believes that he may have a contact within one of the establishments there who might shed some light on Devlin, the alias of Milos, the master of the Brotherhood of the Unspeakable One, recently slain in combat. Our heroes find themselves just outside the Green Liar. Our tale now resumes. The Green Liar is a single-story building with a beautiful front facade, many different colors and different decorations upon it, market as a place of some higher caliber of clientele. This is not your typical tavern. This is a area that is a house of entertainment, a place where people would go to enjoy the more upscale aspects of the Freeport city. When you guys enter within, you see that it is a very fine scale tavern. There are a lot of very jovial folks in here, and although there are a lot of drinks being passed around, no one is belligerent or sloppy drunk. Everybody here is very tasteful. Everybody here is very much having a good time in the right way. 
you all immediately hear that there is a beautiful song being sung by a performer on the stage. A rich, middle-ranged, feminine voice that rings out over the crowd. And you all see that there is a young lady on stage with golden red hair. Slight freckles dotting her cheekbones and her nose. She's kind of petite. She has an outfit on that's form-fitting, but it's not body. She looks very presentable, looks very nice. And she's singing this song that is a little bit of a dirge type of sound. It's kind of got a slow beat to it. Lyrics that are mentioning missing her love as he goes away and wishing for him to come back and return to the city, return to her arms. And as you guys are approaching in and she's singing these songs, Victor, you're enraptured for a moment. You've heard her do little practice songs, but you've never heard her sing like this before. The three of you notice that as she's singing these lyrics about being in love with and having this moment with this man, she notices the four of you across the crowd and her eyes lock with Victor's. And there's definitely this electric jolt almost that goes through the room, this connection between the two of them as she stands there singing and you all take in the song. After a moment, it ends and the crowd just erupts into cheers and Victor snaps you out of your stupor. You remember why you're there and what's going on. And the rest of you are standing there with him. So what do you do? Um, why don't you guys all get a table? I'll go uh, meet our contact and see if she can uh, take a break and come sit with us. Is your contact the pretty lady? Yes, Arden. It's the pretty lady with the pretty voice. Is she a snake person? I'm pretty sure she's not a snake person. Okay, she can come. But I'm watching you there, buddy. The three of you do look around, and there is smaller tables in here. It's not like you can have a whole table to yourselves. You'll have to actually split a table with some other folks already here. Victor, you make your way over to Nell? You sound pretty good there, Nell. Better than the practice sessions I've heard you. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, You can see her cheeks get flushed. I was um, just surprised to see you. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, surprise. (laughs) <laughs> so hey i've got a couple friends with me and um oh, got some oh questions you're, you're not you. oh you're i see you're not alone she says yeah sure yeah I, I yeah i can meet with your friends that's fine yeah well here uh take this i hand her a turn up <laughs> the little one in the group just hand him the turn up and tell him that you like turnips trust me it'll it just will make things so much easier Oh, okay. <laughs> I know. It sounds really weird, super odd, but he's an odd guy. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be over there in a, in a moment. <laughs> oh, sure. I'll have a drink over there, too, for you. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Some other person pushes past you, a well-to-do looking guy, really nice fancy clothes. I must say, excellent show, lady. And he's throwing flowers at her feet. You just move back out of the way. I shoulder him as I walk past. Uh, and you make your way back to the table. Victor comes back after a few moments. I bring a round of drinks to them all. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, looking at you, Arden. Be nice, okay? Nice is the third middle name that I gave myself, so I don't have to worry about it. After a few moments, Nell crosses through the crowd and she steps up to your table. Hello. She waves to all of you. Hi. I'm Nell. I don't believe I've met all of you. I'm Nisha. She shakes your hand. And then these are our friends, Iridanza and Arden. I give a little bow of the head. She does the same. And she says, oh, yes, uh, you're little. You must be Arden. Um, Here. And she hands you out the turnip. Oh. Victor told me to give this to you and say that I like turnips. So here I am giving it to you and saying I like turnips. Oh. And she says that she thinks that Victor is playing a joke on her. So she thinks she's getting back at Victor by saying kind of attitude. Oh, thank you. I I sure do like turnips. And I sure do like throwing them at Victor's head. She gets a wistful smile and she glances her eyes at Victor for a second. And then she sits down across from you guys. So which one of these drinks is mine? Uh, I believe it's this one. Thank you. And she takes it. And she takes a swig of it. And then she looks around the table. And she goes, well... Victor didn't tell me he had such lovely friends. And oh my goodness, two beautiful ladies. Victor, how do you maintain yourself? Um, so, what did you guys need to talk with me about? 
Well, I had a question for you. I'm currently investigating into somebody, and supposedly he has been known to rent rooms out in a inn in this district. And I know that you played out here. Have you ever heard of a merchant going by the name of Devlin? She's in the middle of taking a drink, and she stops, and she slowly lowers the glass. He went missing, and we're trying to track him down. Our person that hired us is very concerned about his well-being. I see. Well, you're in luck, Victor, because I do know this name. He actually was here in this very tavern. I haven't seen him in about a month. Uh, He came in here quite a bit, but this time I remember specifically because he got a little aggressive with one of the waitstaff. Oh. Yeah. Bad scene. The bouncers uh, got him out of here pretty quickly. Good. I hope something bad happened to him. (laughs) Yeah, he did. She looks at you, Arden, and she has a look on her face that's really sobering. I guess I'll drink to that. And she takes a sip of her glass again. I know that he stayed in uh, the Marquis Moon. It's uh, nearby, just a couple of buildings down the street, actually. You might want to check there. Awesome. Thank you. That's very helpful. Hey, I try. Thanks, now. Can always count on you. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Nisha, if you could, could you make an insight check for me, please? Sure. Twelve. Nisha, you can tell that there is something more behind her words than what she just said. Then there's a moment of awkwardness that you get from her, which is really kind of surprising because she seemed like the kind of person that was very exuberant and has a lot of bravado about her. She suddenly gets up. She goes, well, if that's all you needed, I have to get back to performing. You know, that's what I do. So nice to meet you all. You know, she shakes your hand again, Nisha. She nods to you, Iridanza, and then she turns to you, Arden. She goes, I'm sorry, I don't have any other turnips uh, here. And she puts her empty glass in front of you. See you guys later. And she turns and she starts making her way back towards the stage. Maybe maybe we can catch up later now after you're finished. She just keeps walking. Maybe she didn't hear you. You're not sure. Hmm. I don't think she's telling us everything, guys. I just get this feeling that there's something she's leaving out. Yeah, she wasn't really acting her normal self from what I know. Well, should we go check out the Marquis Moon? Yeah, I mean, I guess we could. Might as well. As you guys are about to get up and get on your way, Victor, you notice a familiar figure step through the front door. A maroon-skinned tiefling with horns step into the room. His beret makes him stand out if his skin and his horns did not. Oh, great. Guy's been following me, I swear. What does he want? Uh, He came to my work today. He was jamming up Falthar about some sort of tomfoolery happening in the city. Supposedly it was happening near Falthar's shop, and he's trying to find any information. He kept looking at me all funny. I don't know. I think he thinks that I'm one of his suspects or something. Guy's got some delusions. Is it because you murdered that guy? I didn't murder him. Arden, we don't bring that up in public. It was a private execution at the order of the royalty queen over there in blue. Victor, you glance back over at Reichert Lloyd, and he remains at the front door. It looks like he's come in, and he's just standing there at the front door. He does look away from your table. Can make, like, an insight check, or...? Yeah, go ahead and make a perception check. That's fine. Now, why don't you guys go ahead and all make one? Um, well, I'm going to do my Synac and add a D6 to that. Sure. So I have a 14. Okay. Natural 20 for a 22. Oh, yeah. Natural 20. Boop, boop. I got a 6. I have a 13. So you all glance back over your shoulders or across the table. Iridanza, you observe that he is dressed like one of the city guardsmen. His doublet has this brown color with a red stripe on the one side. He also has the gold and yellow pin on his lapel that marks him as one of the Sea Lord's guards. But what makes him different, besides the fact that he's wearing a very fanciful, deep maroon beret that almost matches his skin tone, is the fact that on his left arm, he has a band of this bright green fabric that has stitched into it a very stylized v with a circle around it well do you guys want to try to sneak out the back or do we want to confront him because i'm pretty sure he's gonna 
stop us. I think I got a plan, everybody. Arden, you get up from the table, and you cross through the room, and you approach Reichert Lloyd. And he's kind of scary, actually, when you get up close to him. You've seen tieflings before, and you know that they are basically humans who have been touched by some sort of demonic blood at some point in their ancestry. So he does have sharper-looking teeth, maroon skin, and horns coming out of his forehead. You do notice that his eyes are the most unsettling thing. They are completely golden in color, no pupils or irises. He glances down to regard you and then looks back up as if he's watching the show and not paying any attention to you. I want to tug on his cloak real quick. I want to look up at him with my big old eyes and, Excuse me, Mita. I can't find my dad. Can you help me? And I grab his hand. Okay. Go ahead and make a deception check. Uh, 20. <laughs> oh, okay. He looks at you and he says, Well, I don't believe that you're going to find any help from me. Young man, how long has your father been missing? Well, he was in here. He takes me here every night, and then he drinks a lot, and then I lost him. Mm. I see. And perhaps you should file a missing persons report at the Fortress of Justice. And the... Can you take me there? Make a persuasion check at disadvantage. While he's doing that, the rest of you get up from the table and start going about trying to get out. So let's have Nisha and Victor please make stealth checks to try to sneak away. Ooh, nat 20, so 26. <laughs> natural one. Oh, no, I love it. Natural 20 and a natural one. 26 and a four. Amazing. Oh, boy. Ouch. So, Arden, what'd you get on that persuasion roll? I rolled a 19 and a 20, so... Beautiful. Reichert Lloyd kneels down to talk with you a little bit better, Arden, to figure out what's going on with you. Nisha, you just slip right behind a small little group of men that are entering into the tavern and slip right out the door completely unnoticed. Victor, you are walking in a way that you're watching Reichert Lloyd to see if he's noticing you, and you slam right into a waitress, and her drinks go flying all over the place. Some of the ale that she has and the steins that she's carrying as she splash out and one of them completely soaks the entire right side of Reichert Lloyd. A little bit on you as well, Arden. And he jumps back. What in the... And he looks up and he sees you. Oh my, so sorry. And I grab a towel and I start patting him. Oh, so sorry. There was a crack in the floor. <laughs> Go ahead and make a deception check, please. 23. Uh, no fault then, I suppose. He wipes some of the alcohol off of his face. Iridanza, you come up behind the two boys in your group. I'm going to grab Arden's hand and then try and make a scene of, come on, Arden, let's go this way. No, mister, please. She's scary. She's always mean to me. I want my dad. I turn my head and put my hand between my face and Arden and whisper loud enough that Reichert can hear me. His dad died months ago in a accident at the docks. Make a deception roll, please. Fifteen? Okay. He looks at you, he looks down to Arden, he nods. He says, take care of him then. Will do. He turns back to Victor. And you, be more careful where you walk, friend. Oh, oh yes, of course, sir. And I flip him a gold piece. And he catches it without taking his eyes off of you. He slowly puts it down on the table next to him. He says, do be careful. And you turn to start following your friends out of the Green Liar, leaving Riker Lloyd within. When you arrive, the Marquis Moon is two stories of haphazard brickwork. It looks as though the building is relatively old. It's not dilapidated or anything like that, but it's definitely not one of the nicer buildings in this part of the city. But it adds character rather than an eyesore. What do you guys wish to do? Head on over to it. Yep, might as well step yep. on in. Yep. Perfect. So the four of you make your way over and you enter within. Inside, you see that the mood of the main common room is subdued. It looks like there are probably better places to eat and sleep within the city. And it would seem that everybody within here knows that. From the pair of quietly drunk dwarves in the nearby corner to the scowly guy that hides behind the front desk, you could tell that the mood here is definitely not one of friendliness. 
The man behind the front desk is a tall, gangly man with a rather unfortunately sized nose, a couple of warts on one of his cheekbones, and long, stringy hair. He's currently picking at his fingernails with a dull knife, and he seems to be getting quite a kick out of it because he's laughing to himself as he does so. The dwarves look up from their drinks, and you can tell that they're quite inebriated. I'll walk up to the counter. The man behind the counter glances up at you. <laughs> Does a bit of a snort, goes back to picking his nails. Are you by chance the innkeeper? I am tonight, he says. Do you remember having a guest by the name of Devlin, and I flash some coin? You lay some coin down upon the counter, and he glances at it, and a hand goes over the coins and slides them back. Yeah, I know him. He's been staying here for a couple of years, actually. Number three, upstairs. But uh, I haven't seen him in a while. Is he, uh, is he in trouble or something? I will slip him uh, another five gold pieces and tell him nothing that you need to worry about. Thanks, my good man. He looks at you and he gives you a nod. He goes, I don't know anything. And he goes back to picking at his nails. All right, guys, I got the room number. You guys make your way up the flight of stairs that's located on the side of the room and you go up to a small landing that reveals that there are four rooms up here. You walk over to room number three. And you notice that all of the rooms are pretty much identical, except for the numbering on the doors. They don't stand out at all. You do see that one of the doors opens as you guys get to the top of the landing, and somebody starts to walk out. But seeing that there's people coming, they slink back into the room and shut the door. So you guys go up to room number three. Can I make a perception check to like listen, or like, it's just to be safe? If you please, Victor, go ahead and make a perception roll. Oh, natural 20. 22. Yeah, you move up to the door and you listen for a bit, and you don't hear any sounds from within. You do hear that in the room next to room number three, which is that first room that you guys passed, you can hear muffled speaking as there's somebody within that room is talking to somebody else. You can kind of barely hear. I don't know who they are, just some random people in the hall. I don't want to go out there and see them. If the other person, you can't quite hear what they're saying. All right, uh, open the door. You go to open the door, and you find that the door is locked. Nisha will get out her thieves' tools. Stand back, I can pick it for you. Thank you. Okay. Nisha, you kneel down in front of the door and begin to do your work. If you could, please do a dexterity check with your proficiency bonus, because you are using your thieves' tools that you are proficient in. So 25. 25. Fantastic. Nisha, this door is one of the easiest doors you've probably picked in a long time. You barely even have to fiddle with the tumblers before it opens. And you can actually tell from the way that it opens so easily that this door is not very secure, even when it is locked. You unlock it, no problem. I'll open the door. You open the door, and all of you see the room within. What you find is that it is a single room, perhaps 20 feet by 20 feet. And the immediate thing that you notice is that serpent people apparently like to keep their things neat and tidy. You get the strong impression that Milos must have drawn a map of this room when he moved in to use every single inch of it as efficiently and effectively as he possibly could. The walls in this room are completely unobservable, hidden behind bookcases heaped with scrolls and shelves arranged with half-melted ritual candles, leaden icons, and a large collection of brightly polished rocks that are arranged around the room. You can see that there's staffs, canes, and other ornamental trifles that fill different kind of alcoves and they fit snugly against the masonry. There is a small stove in the center of the room that gives off a faint smell of incense as the four of you enter. There's little furniture you notice immediately. No bed, for one thing. The floor near the stove does appear to have thick, tasseled pillows strewn about it. You guys are surprised to see that there's no desk either, although there seems to be some sort of portable writing stand that's pushed up against one of the bookcases on the wall. I will go investigate the writing stand. Absolutely. Please go ahead and make a investigation roll. 21. 21. All right. You move up over to the stand and take a look at it. And you can see that it's got some smudges upon it. None of it's legible. They're just smears, like from it being used over and over again. But other than that, there's nothing on it. It's just blank. Hmm. Nothing here, guys. Everybody who's interested, go ahead and make a perception roll for me, please. 
Got 18. 19. I have a 10 on that. And I got a natural 20, giving me a total of 22. Fantastic. Fantastic. Victor, you move over to where the pillows are, and you start poking around through them, moving them over, flipping them around, sliding them back and forth, and you see that as you start to do that, you see that there are some large snake scales that appear to be about the size of a gold piece that fall out from between two of them, and they kind of clutter on the floor. Gross. Nisha, you start looking around and you move over to where the shelves are. And you can see that several of the objects look like they were these large polished rocks. And you get closer, they actually look like they are petrified eyeballs. Ew. You're not entirely sure what those would be used for, but they definitely stand out. You also notice as you're rifling around and you move a small stack of books out of the way that there are several oddly shaped jars that have something floating within them. He must have been doing some sort of spells or something. I don't know what else he'd be using these things for. You grab one of the jars and you pull it off of the shelf. And as you turn, it catches the light. And you can see that within is this strange albino rat that seems to be preserved in a syrupy black fluid. Ew. What was he doing here? Experimenting on animals? Probably dark rituals. Mm. Disgusting. You turn and you place it back upon the shelf right next to a small leaded figure that looks like a strange creature that you can't exactly put your finger on what it might be. It has strange tentacles coming out of its face where its mouth would be, and it has these bat-like wings that are folded around its body. Anybody know what this thing is? She shows you the little statue. Arden, if you please make a history or a religion check, whichever you feel like you would be better at. All right, here's a religion check, and it's a natural 20. Wow. Natural 20s tonight. Nailing it tonight. Yeah, you guys are rocking and rolling. (laughs) So that's a 23 in total. I love it. Arden, you can see that this figure has a very distinct look to it. And when you look at it, it looks familiar to you. And at first, you're not sure where you have seen it before, but you know that you have. You think back to several weeks ago when you guys encountered Milos in the dark temple beneath the streets of Freeport. There was a large statue in the back of the chamber where you guys fought and killed him. And in that chamber was a statue about 15 feet tall that looked exactly like this small little statue. And then your thoughts fly back to a dark, black, cold room. A room that had a pit in the center. A pit that drew you closer to its abyss and threatened to drag you within. You know that this statue is a depiction of the unspeakable one the foul god that Milos and his cult were following. That spooks me. Um, I'm going to grab it and then throw it against the wall. Arden, you grab the idol and you turn and you throw it as hard as you can with all of your might. It slams into the wall. And as it does so, there's a sound on the other side of the wall of the neighbor. <clears throat> like they're startled. And then you hear what sounds like some footfalls of people moving away from that wall. You do also notice that when it hits the wall, it hit it right next to the bookshelf. In Iridanza, you're standing right next to it, so the statue just missed you by a couple of inches. And when it hits the wall, the bookshelf rattles slightly, and you can see that something falls out from behind it. It looks like a book. I'm going to reach for the book. You reach down, and you see that it is a darkly bound leather tome that is embossed on the front, what what appears to be a bunch of geometric symbols. You look and on the spine, it says an account of metals, base and pure. You open it up and you start flipping through it. And what it looks like is some sort of book that would teach someone about different kinds of metals, stonework, masonry, and different kinds of building procedures. As you start flipping through it, you see that there is something that stands out. Something is sketched onto the back flyleaf of the book. 
It's a full-page drawing of a lighthouse, and around it are strange arcane mathematical formulas, arrows that point to a number of the blocks in the structure itself and mark it with strange runes. In the margins, you see a recurring doodle, a letter V superimposed on a circle. Just like that guy, Lloyd. Arden, at this point, you've actually crossed over to her, and you're standing by the bookcase. And obviously, because you're shorter than her, you're standing at a lower shelf. And you look where that book fell out of the bookcase, and you can see that there's no empty space where that book would have been on the bookshelf. You start looking around, and you actually see that there are several books on the level that you're looking at that have a very fine layer of dust upon them, like they've been sitting there for a bit. But there's about four or five of them out of the probably 30 that are on this shelf that don't have any dust on them. You look at them, and they don't match the rest of the books that are on the bookshelf. The rest of the books are academic tomes, whereas these are little fluffy books, things that would be considered fiction books. Hmm. If you could, make an intelligence check for me, please. 17. Maybe not too bad. Okay. You would determine, based on the way that these books look, that these books that don't have any dust on them are newer than the other books. Huh. I guess I'll start seeing if there's any notes and stuff kind of plopping out of them. Okay. If you could, Arden, please go ahead and make me a investigation roll. Oop, that one's a 20. Fantastic. You start looking through the tomes and books that you notice are out of place, and they all seem to just be not fitting the rest of the books on the shelves. They don't really seem to have any sort of purpose other than just to be just fluffy little fictional books. You don't find anything that is out of the sorts. You don't find anything that is hidden within the books, anything of that nature. Hmm. Very interesting. Oh, well. Victor, while they are pouring through the books, there's a small stack of parchment off to the side. They appear to be some sort of ledger. While you are looking through this stack of ledger papers, you do see that there is a small piece of parchment that falls out from within them. You open it, and it appears to be a handwritten note. I might have something, guys. What did you find? Uh, This note says, Our preparations are almost complete. We will arrive in Freeport on schedule. Make sure that all is ready for us. The Brotherhood is counting on you. Signed, and tall, and I show it to them. You guys see that it is a small piece of parchment written in a very fluid, tight hand, and this is just that. Maybe he was preparing the lighthouse for something. Maybe they're preparing some major ritual. Is there a date on that document? Doesn't appear to. Maybe we should go check out the lighthouse and try to figure out who this end tall is. Sounds like a good idea. Let's take what we got and uh, let's head back to the Scholar's Quill and rest up and then maybe we can talk to Theron in the morning. Okay. Does that sound good with everybody? Yeah, I guess. Sounds like a plan. As we leave, though, I want to, as we walk by that other door with the people in it, I just want to start banging on the door, then shaking the knob like I'm trying (laughs) to get in. You know, just be obnoxious. You guys leave Milos' room. You guys don't have, really have a key, so there's no really way to lock it, so you just kind of pull it shut. And you make your way back out, and as you guys are making your way towards the landing that leads back downstairs, Arden, you go over to room number one, and you should start kicking the door, pounding on it, grabbing on the handle, jerking on the door as hard as you can, really making a show like you're trying to break into this room, and you can hear people on the other side, no, go away, we don't want anything, leave us alone, get out of here, got nothing for you. I grab Arden and pull him off the door. (laughs) All right. You guys make your way back downstairs. And as you do so, you see the young man behind the counter is still picking at his fingernails. And then he looks up to see you guys coming back downstairs. Did you find anything good up there? No. Stupid. Nothing at all. Well, if you see that, Devlin, (laughs) you tell him that he owes me for about three weeks. Okay, well, he's dead, so good good luck with that. 
He's confused. He doesn't know what we're talking about. He's just a missing person. We're looking for him. Nah, he's dead. This kid's confused. He's just a child. And then I drag Arden along. Yeah, he ate too many turnips. <laughs> Iridanza, if you could please make a deception check at disadvantage. Oh, Arden. I rolled a four. Yikes. Okay, thank you. Good to know. The young man behind the counter gives you guys a strange look, and he just slowly slinks back away from you guys and lets you leave. You see, as you guys make your way to the front door, the the two drunken dwarves in the corner look up at you guys, watching you very intently now. You can see that one of them, one of his hands is shifted below the table, and he's definitely uneasy now. You guys make your way quickly out of the front room of the Marquis Moon, trying to get out of here before any sort of other bad things can happen because of Arden's loose lips. As you guys enter out into the night, it's going on midnight at this point. It's, it's pretty late. You guys took a long time to really go through the room and really sort through everything. And as you guys walk out from somewhere down the street slightly, you hear a voice ring out. Wait, please, no, get away, please, I don't have it. Please, someone help me. Oh, 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 someone help. And you all look around, searching for the source of the sound. You see that there is a thin and spindly-looking teenager who's clutching a messenger satchel, and he's surrounded by three rather seedy and rather scary-looking individuals. One of them is a human, and he's wearing a suit of studded leather armor. He has in his hand a mace, and he's brandishing it like he is about to clock this kid. One of the other men is a half-elf, and he has his head completely shaved. He has a cutlass, and then the third man appears to be a largely built human who actually has a dagger out, and he's actually got a hold of the kid by the front of his shirt, and he's got the dagger up in the kid's face. They've got him pressed up against the wall like they are mugging him, or maybe even worse. So, what do you guys do? Hey, pick on someone your own size. The man with the mace slowly turns to see you, and he gets a toothy grin on his face. Is that going to be you, pretty thing? Sure will be. And he looks at the guy who has the cutlass, and he just nods at him, and the two of them start moving towards you. The man who has the dagger, who has a hold of the boy, shoves him over against the wall, and it looks like he is just going to continue whatever it was they were doing. The two men approach you guys threateningly, and look with that, let's go ahead and let's roll initiative. Oh boy, I got a nine. 17. Dirty 20. And I had a 15. Alrighty. So, Iridanza, as the man with the mace and the man with the cutlass start moving towards your group threateningly, you take the initiative. What do you like to do? I draw my spear and I move closer to them. I stop about 10 feet in front of them with uh, the spear drawn also aggressively. And I hold an action. If one of them attack, I attack as well. Awesome. So you draw your spear off of your back and you move the gap between them. And as you do so, whether it's a trick of the moonlight or, as you know, the magical power within it, there is a glint of light that shines across the edge of the spear blade as you draw it forth and start to make your way over there. Nisha, what would you like to do? I'm going to use my study aim to give me advantage on my attack so that way I can get my sneak attack. And I'm going to use my psychic blades to attack the guy with the mace. Okay. So, 24 to hit. Nisha, as Iridanza moves up, you clearly have your girl's back. And you draw forth the inner power that resides within you. And you channel it into your right hand. And uh, you all see as that bright, vibrant fuchsia blade emerges from her right hand and forms into a psychic blade. And as if you would throw a dagger, she throws it, and the energy lances off of her hand, streaks through the night, and it hits the man with the mace square in the chest. How much damage did you do with that? 18 total. As the blade hits him, he flies backwards five feet and lands in a pile on the ground. <laughs> Very much dead. Yes. The man with the cutlass grits his teeth as Arden reacts. What would you like to do, Arden? Uh... Let's see, I'm going to step forward as well. I'm going to pop in front of Nisha here. Okay. 
but I'm little, so I don't get in the way. That's right. All right, and then I'm going to target um, Ugly here as well. The man with the cutlass. Yes, and All right. he is going to take a chaos bolt. That's your go-to move. I love it. It is. I'm glad. And does a 12 hit. You gesture with your hands and you draw forth your mystical energies that flow within your wild magic-infused blood. The prismatic energy that resides within your chaotic soul comes out and forms into a ball that you chuck at him. It flies through the night, and he, at the very last second, manages to dive prone to the ground underneath it as it streaks over his head, and it does miss him. Drat. So, Arden, yes, if you could, please go ahead and make a wild magic surge check by rolling a d20. All right, I got a 15. Perfect. All right, well, that's my turn. Okay. The man who has a hold of the boy says, You're going to get what we want! And he takes the boy and he pulls him away from the wall and proceeds to throw him with all of his might. And the boy trips over the dead man's body and falls at the feet of Eridanza and Arden. He looks up at the four of you. Please help me. And then the man who threw the boy takes a pretty savage looking dagger and he draws it in a flourish in the air. And you see that as he does so, the dagger catches on fire. Victor, what would you like to do? Uh, I'm going to move up. I'm going to cast Hex as a bonus action mm-hmm. on the one with the Cutlass. Okay. So he'll have disadvantage on a constitution, ability checks with that. All right. And then I'm going to use my longsword and attack him. So 17 to hit. So Victor, as you close in the gap between your companions and yourself, you move forth in front of Iridanza, drawing your sword. You draw forth the mystical energies that are within the trinket, and your hilt flashes a bright icy blue, and you see that same blue wash down over the man's features. You take his slight bit of surprise as an advantage, and you slice through with your longsword, and it does ring true. Go ahead and roll the damage, please. All right. He's going to take 12 points of damage. The longsword bites hard into his upper arm, and you watch as his entire right arm the one that's holding the cutlass, flies off into the night as you sever it from his body. He starts to scream and kind of flail about as he loses his sword arm. He falls down to his knees. Oh, no! Oh! Oh! And I'll say, now, do you guys really want to continue this? Iridanza, what would you like to do? I am going to move around Victor and past the dead body. And I'm going to attack the human with the flaming dagger. Yep, okay. I'm going to two-handed attack him with my spear. And that is a 16 to hit. You stab out at him with the spear, and you see that he does a fancy movement where he slides backwards with his feet, and he takes the dagger, and he spins his arm around, and his dagger hits the front of the spear and deflects it aside. There is a flash of orangey-yellow light from the flames that burst for a second as the contact hits. And you do miss him with that. What a jerk. And with that, Nisha. Nisha is going to try to attack the guy that Victor was attacking with an 18 to hit. Okay. You draw forth the energy and the psychic blade that you threw reappears in your hand and you go forth to do battle again. You throw it again, I assume? Yes. And it does 14 damage. You take aim with the psychic blade and you launch it and it streaks forward. The psychic blade hits the man on the ground, screaming and holding at his severed arm, and he falls backwards into a heap right next to the other dead man on the ground. Cool. So then Nisha will use her second psychic blade to attack the guy that Irdanza is attacking with a 19 to hit. The man with the fancy dagger? Yep. A 19 does, in fact, hit him. And that is 18 damage. Wow. Nice. Whew. Solid. All right. The psychic blade hits into him. He's so busy dealing with Iridan so that he doesn't have time to parry both the blows, and so this one does in fact hit him. I'm happy to distract for you. <laughs> Nisha, do you move at all? I'm just staying right here. I, I, I'm good. Okay. Arden, right in front of you, the young man reaches up and grabs onto you, and he's kind of limping like maybe he hurt his leg when he landed. He goes, oh, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, and he throws his arms around you excitedly. Then he tries to lean on you to try to support himself because of his injured leg. It's your turn. What would you like to do? Oh, man. I know he's like 
only a kid and stuff, but he's kind of heavy, so I'm going to kind of push him off of me real quick. Whoa, 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 buddy. I'm pretty little there. I, I, I don't want to get squished, so uh, you, can, you can just lay there and, uh, hi, hi, how how you doing? I gotta push him out of the way. There's a small cart that's in the road. He kind of leans up against it, kind of holding at his leg. It looks like there's like a scrape on his knee and some blood trickling down. He kind of gives you a smile. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else you want to do, Arden? Um, uh, no, I'm just going to keep talking to him. Like, hey, hey, hey there, buddy. Hey, what's your name? What's up? Why are these people wanting to try to do something to you? He looks at you and gives you a nice bright smile. And with that, the man with the dagger turns his attention to Iridanza, and he attacks with a 12. Hardcore miss. His second attack with a dagger, however, is going to be a 24. Yeah, that might hit. Just maybe. <laughs> Just maybe. You are going to take seven points of slashing damage and two points of fire damage. The dagger slices out across you and it hits you in your forearm, slices up from just past your wrist all the way up to where your elbow is. You do feel that it is a deep cut indeed. And you can feel that not only did he slice you, but he's burned the inside of your arm as well. It's searing pain that almost makes you black out for a moment. Well, at least he cauterized it for me. Victor. So since the Cutlass guy died, I'm going to move my Hex spell to the guy with the dagger, and then I'm going to take a step forward, and then I'm going to attack him with my sword. Oh boy, I got a 12. All right. As he slices up through Iridanza's arm, he sees you moving in towards him, and he takes the dagger, flips it up into the air. As it leaves his hand, you see the flames lick out off and leave the blade. And then he reaches forward with his other hand and snatches it out of the air. And as his other hand closes around the dagger, the flames erupt back out of it. And he hits your longsword and knocks it aside. Back to the top of the round with Iridanza. I assume because my one arm is injured, I'm going to kind of let go with that hand and I'm going to attack with my spear just one-handed. Okay. It will be with disadvantage. Okay. That would make sense because I feel like my arm would hurt too much to use it. That would be an eight at disadvantage. Okay. Working past the searing pain in your arm, you reposition your grip on the spear, a minor school of spear fighting that you remember back in the royal courts, back at home. You strike out with the spear and you stab up towards the guy's face, hoping to maybe blind him. And he actually slides his momentum in towards Victor. And as he does so, the spear just stabs out into the night air and misses his head. So close. And Nisha. Nisha is going to move up and around to be slightly behind Victor on his right. Okay. And she's going to use her psychic blades to attack this guy. Fantastic. With a 24 to hit. Oh, that'll definitely hit. So 15 damage. Whew. Is he still breathing? Yeah, but he looks like he is hurt, though. Then I'm going to use my bonus action to use another psychic blade on him with a 25 to hit. Jeez. Nice. Yep, that'll hit for sure. And 14 damage. <laughs> oh my goodness. Nisha, coming alive. Right? <laughs> we just needed you to level up and get your psychic blades, and you're just ready to go now. <laughs> right? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so Nisha, you press the advantage. You slide past Arden and the young man that you guys have rescued, and you manifest a psychic blade into each hand. You gesture and make a figure eight in the air. And at the end of the figure eight, you let go of both of them. And like an X, they streak forward. One hits the man in the shoulder, and he half spins away from Victor. And as he does so, it opens up his flank, and the other one hits him just below his floating ribs. And you see him double over in pain with a grunt. And then you flick your hands, and both of the psychic blades emerge back into your own hands. Arden, the young man, as you're standing there talking with him, gives you a wink, and he kicks you in the face with a 19 to hit. That son of a turnip sucker, that's going to hit. He kicks you in the face, and then he somehow uses your head as a springboard to do a backflip, twist through the air, and land facing the other direction. And then he proceeds to sprint full on down the street away from you guys. You can see that he now has something tucked underneath his arm that he didn't have before. Can Nisha use her reaction to attack him as he exits the space? Yeah, because he didn't do the disengage action. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So we'll, we'll try. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, a nine. <laughs> I don't think That's that okay. hits. <laughs> As you hear Arden behind you, Ugh! call out from getting kicked in the face, you turn to see the young man land, and instinctively, reactively, you flick your wrist, and one of your mind blades streaks out from your hand, but it misses the boy as he lands in a strange pose and runs off into the night. But Arden, it is your turn. Oh, I'm sorry, you this... took uh, six points of bludgeoning damage from the kick to the face. Oh my gosh. Ow. Is he still in range? For me, the yep. hurdle a chaos bolt at his face? Yeah, so he's within range. Oh, okay. So he's going to take a chaos bolt. Okay. And I kind of want to hit him in the leg again. So, you know, it hurts for real this time. Okay. Oh, does a 12 hit? A 12 does not. You draw forth the magic of your wild nature and you let it loose and the prismatic bolt flies through the night and it just streaks off. You see that it hits the side of the building next to where the boy is running and just explodes to a small miniature fireworks display. Okay, Arden, go ahead and make a wild magic check by rolling your d20, please. All right, that one was a 17. So nothing yet. As the boy runs off into the night, the man with the dagger looks at all of you, and he gets a determined look on his face, but he says, they said you guys were going to be tough. I'm happy to see that you're worth the trouble. And he goes into a full disengage action. We'll meet again. And he runs off into the nights, making his way down the street. You see he sheaths the dagger as he does so. And pretty soon, he has completely vanished into the midnight dark. You guys start to hear that there is someone yelling in the night. Guards! Guards! Someone's been killed! Get the guards! And you start to hear what sounds like a whistle blowing from somewhere nearby. Nisha, you've had run-ins with the Sea Lord's guards before. You know that the guard watch captain would be outfitted with a signal whistle that they use to call backup. And it sounds like it's really close. That's the captain and the guard, guys. We got to get out of here. Let's split up in pairs of two in opposite directions. You get Arden. Me back at the Scholar's Quill. And you guys do. Victor and Nisha, you two begin to make your way down towards the south. And Arden and Iridansa, the two of you pair up together, start making your way off towards the west. You guys run off into the night. And as you guys make your way further away from the area where you leave the two dead bodies on the ground, the area where this boy was seemingly being attacked, but apparently was not. You guys notice that there are city guardsmen who start to appear out of different areas, different alleys. There's actually a side street that Victor, you and Nisha run down. You see that there are four guardsmen that happen to be standing there doing something else. One of them drops his pouch of coins that he was counting as he sees the two of you running. And the whistle and whatnot continues to grow louder. The four guardsmen start to run in after the two of you trying to catch you. One of them yells out, hey, stop! Where do you think you're going? Halt! Iridanza and Arden, you guys run in your different direction, and you guys see that as you run down the road, there is a lone figure that is walking down the street towards you with a whistle, and he's blowing it, and then he's looking around the streets like he's trying to see what exactly is going on. And this man, with his maroon skin and horns that are poking out from beneath a beret of similar color to his skin, is really unmistakable. This is none other than Reichert Lloyd that you guys had any interaction with earlier this evening. He sees the two of you running down the street, and he gets a narrow look to his eyes. He says, stop right there. And he reaches for his sword and draws it. Oh, thank God. It's the city guard. Please, please, help. Help. They tried to attack my mom and me. He looks and he sees you and he says, nice try. Arden, run, 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 Arden, run! And the two of you run. If you could, let's have all four of you please make athletics or acrobatics tests, whatever you would like to be better at, as you try to escape from the guards. <laughs> Nisha got a nine. All right, Nisha got an acrobatics of nine. Okay. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. I can use my Synac. I can use my sign act to expend a die and roll a d6. This is not going to... So mine is a 14, so it's slightly better. So Nisha got a 9 boosted up with her sign act to a 14. Victor, what'd you get? 
uh, 12. Okay. Iridanza? Iridanza got a 10. And Arden? I got a 7. Nice. The two different groups of you start to run off into the night. And Arden, you try to move out of the way, and he reaches out towards you, and he grabs a hold of your shirt. Iridanza, you use the momentum of him focusing on Arden to try to turn and run past him. He actually spins, and he takes his sword, and he hits you with the flat part of it, and it trips you, and he stomps over towards you, and he places his boot on your back so that you can't stand up. He's got a hold of you, Arden, and he looks at you, and he says, I'm not going to be duped again, little one. Now you're in my territory. Gulp. Victor, you and Nisha are running, and four guardsmen quickly becomes six guardsmen, which then becomes ten guardsmen. As the whistles continue to grow louder, you see that there is another guard captain who is nearby, who is blowing his own whistle, and behind him comes four more. Pretty soon, the two of you are completely surrounded by more than a dozen guardsmen. Stop right where you are! Don't move! One of them yells out. Then one of them steps forward. Nisha, you've seen Arik before. He's the man who captured you originally some several weeks ago, and then subsequently sold you into slavery aboard a pirate ship. Luckily, you were able to escape that fate. But as he steps forward with his heavy paunch hanging over his belt, he wipes his bald head because he's sweating profusely from having chased the two of you. And he says, well, I wasn't expecting to see you again. <laughs> And he takes some manacles off of his belt, and he throws them down in front of you. I think you know what those are for. I spit on the ground in front of me. There is a sudden whack to the back of your head, and your vision swims for a moment. Victor, you turn, and you see that one of the guardsmen has clubbed her in the back of the head, and she's starting to lose consciousness. What do you wish to do? Anything? Grab Nisha and cast Thunderwave. Okay. You reach down and you grab Nisha, you pull her close to you, and you take your sword and you spin it, and you stab it into the ground, and there's that distinctive boom that goes off, and the ground ripples out away from you as when you drop a large rock into a pond and it ripples out, but the cobblestones pop and snap on the street as the ground beneath gets rocked by this thunder wave. The guardsmen near you, four of them instantly fly back off of their feet, including Arik, the rest of them manage to maintain their ground. You start to run and drag her, and Nisha, you're not entirely unconscious at this point, but you are reeling. Your head is spinning. Victor, you start to pull her forward, and as you do so, one of the guardsmen takes a cudgel, and he cracks you into the stomach, and it doubles you over, and another one hits you in the side of the face, and all you then know is darkness as you drift off into unconsciousness. Nisha, you watch as Victor falls, and his face actually slams off of the street with a loud, sickening pop. Ooh. Nisha, as your head is spinning and you're about to lose consciousness, you turn and you can see that Reichert Lloyd approaches, dragging Arden and Iridanza with a couple of other city guardsmen who have arrived. He walks up to you and he tosses Arden down at your side, and a nearby guardsman starts to manacle him. Iridanza finds a similar fate as manacles are put around her with her arms behind her back and the four of you apparently have met a rather dangerous end to this night of inquiry trying to discover what milos aka devlin was up to Riker lloyd steps forward and he looks down at the four of you victor specifically and the last thing that you hear nisha before you do fall unconscious is him say i've got you now as a grin passes over his face. Thank you for listening to the Game Night Heroes. The tale continues another time. This was Freeport, Episode 12, Where the Trail Leads. Please subscribe and give us a review. It helps new listeners find us and take the journey along with you and with us. We can be found on all social media at Game Night Heroes. Please be sure to follow us for updates and for new information. We can also be found at GameNightHeroes.com. The Game Night Heroes is hosted and game mastered by Kevin Stacy. Victor Reed is played by Rob Alexander. 
Iradonzo Orame is played by Colleen Alexander. Arden Langalar is played by Aaron Regner. Nisha Lykoania is played by Brittany Stone. The Freeport Trilogy was created and published by Chris Premus and Green Ronin Publishing. Logo design and podcast cover art for the Game Night Heroes was created by Josh K. Music is from various artists and appears from Pixabay. Please feel free to message us at Game Night Heroes Contact at Gmail. We'd love to hear from you. This has been a presentation of the Game Night Heroes. Until next time, keep dreaming your impossible dream. Victor falls and his face actually slams off of the street with a loud, sickening pop. Not the face. That's my money maker, <laughs> damn it. That's going to hurt. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bart, for heaven's sake. That's all I got. <laughs> hey, did you like what you just heard? Well, if so, you can also journey into the realm of Freeport by visiting greenroninstore.com. There you can find all of your Freeport needs and all of the different adventures, supplements, and rule sets that you'll need to vanquish the forces of the Far Realm in a pirate town once gone legit. Form your own adventures at greenroninstore.com. Use our affiliation code GKHERO to save on your purchase. Thanks for listening.